The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the last episode of 2020 Predictions Week on the MarTech Podcast. This week, we've been looking into our predictive analytics crystal ball to see what the upcoming year has in store for the MarTech community. Each day this week, we've been publishing episodes that discuss high-level predictions that will influence how you plan, operate, and evaluate your marketing efforts this year. With us this week has been Oshin Hurley, who is the Chief Technology Officer at Swerve, a sponsor of the MarTech Podcast. Swerve is a platform that enables brands to connect their customers with relevant messages in real time with live data at scale by combining messaging across channels like push, in-app messaging, email, SMS, and OTT. And for the last installment of 2020 Predictions Week, Oshin and I will discuss his prediction for 2020, which is that brands will be working to address challenges of multi-channel activity and hyper-targeting. Okay, here's the last installment of 2020 Predictions Week with Oshin Hurley, Chief Technology Officer at Swerve. Oshin, happy Friday. Welcome to the end of the road. It's the end of 2020 Predictions Week. Welcome back. Thank you so much. I am delighted it's Friday. We've covered a lot of ground. We've talked about your predictions for basically the rest of your C-suite, talked a little bit about how customer experience is going to be more important than price and product, talked about how brands are going to focus more on real-time responsiveness than data consolidation, that customers are becoming more picky when it comes to message delivery relevance, and that the best marketers are going to be combining first and third-party data despite some of the GDPR and some of the privacy regulations. Today, we're going to get on to your prediction, which is that brands are going to be working to address the challenges of multi-channel activity and hyper-targeting. First off, what does that mean? So multi-channel for me is kind of mixed modality communications in that sometimes I'm using my phone and sometimes I'm on the web and sometimes I'm watching my TV through my Apple TV and sometimes I'm watching TV through a Roku box, for example. I might even be watching it on my watch at this point. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I think that effectively... They're all me looking at different sources of data, entertainment, work, education, whatever it might be. And those are all valid ways to get through to me in a way that would make sense to me. So we take the relevance. You know, if I'm watching some TV, then you could get me on that device. But obviously, you're not going to interrupt program to talk to me about it. But instead, you'll notify me about something. Voice is another one 
the Alexis and Google talks of the world. It's just another way to get in touch. And sometimes I'm active there and sometimes I'm active on TV, sometimes I'm active on the phone. So these are all, when I refer to multi-channel, I'm referring to all of these kind of approaches. You notice I didn't include email there because, frankly, I don't respond to emails. <laughs> <laughs> I think email is still an important channel, just for the record. Sorry, I'm not dissing email. It's just my personal choice. Anyway, so all of those have to be integrated in some way. And I think you can get a better picture if you do integrate them, including email. If you do integrate them in some fashion, you get a much more rounded picture of behavior and of capabilities for delivery. And if you're moving into the what I'm calling hyper-targeting now, and hyper-targeting is really just a term saying we're not just targeting somebody with an email address. We're doing a lot of other things. There's a lot of other factors going on, and a lot of them are, can be very fine-grained. So in this particular case, targeting a, a particular approach, a particular channel can be important. Somebody may like to respond to emails. Somebody may like to respond to push messages. Maybe the best engagement format for them and sussing that out and deciding the best way to address somebody is a key part of targeting element. In a previous episode, I had spoken about a targeting of a message, somebody who'd been listening to an, an album, you know, 20 times in the last month, but hadn't listened to another band in over a year. That's real fine grained stuff. And it allows you to pull out many, many interesting use cases Depending on your business, if you've got a lot of SKUs in your business, it allows you to track very, very fine-grained activity and target people that have done things in the past, maybe way in the past, but it's still relevant to them. So between the multi-channel approach, which is, all right, your app is in this person's life and is giving them value, and the hyper-targeting, meaning when you've got value, you've got value. It's, it's, it's not a blast. It's not even a small blast. It's a very fine-grained blast. The, the audience could be six or seven people but there's still value that you're offering to them. And of course, value will come back to you as the app owner, according to your, to your plans. So that's the two kind of approaches that I've been thinking about. I think that there's a couple of different things to unpack there. First off, multi-channel activity. We're working in front of connected devices. Our entertainment, for the most part, is now in front of connected devices, OTT, and there's more streaming services. We're sitting in front of some sort of shiny rectangle almost all day, all the time. And at a bare minimum, we have one in our pocket. How do you figure out what the right message is and what the right platform is to deliver that message? When you're thinking about multi-channel activity, how are you figuring out what the right platform to deliver your message? There's a bit of a technology answer to this one. So as people interact with a particular app on various different kinds of devices, you start to pick up a fairly predictable set of behaviors because humans are super predictable just in the way they do things. And Swerve already does some of this as part of what we call a time-optimized push message, which is basically we'll see when people are active, when they're most receptive to receiving information. So if you have a customer that wants to send a message that there's going to be a particular sale, a price drop on, I don't know, tractors, and somebody who you know is interested in tractors from your behavioral gathering, you know that they flick around Netflix for like an hour in the evenings before actually choosing something to watch. That's a good place to put a little notification up in the corner and have them drill down into it. Similarly, if it's at lunchtime, maybe their phone is where probably they're going to be more active or if indeed they're on their commute and hopefully they're not driving. But if they're on a public transport commute, that's the time that everybody's stuck into the little black mirror and doing their thing. So that's a good choice to go through on that. 
So they're just some simple examples of how you can kind of go to the right place at the right time. It seems to me that there's also a distinction in terms of what somebody can do in the various platforms. If I'm pushing a message on an OTT app, I'm delivering an awareness and a brand message, not necessarily something that's going to drive engagement and purchase, because it's really hard to buy something on your Apple TV or on your Roku, as opposed to if I'm pushing the message to my phone, it's easy to bounce to the browser. So talk to me about why the multi-channel activity really matters if I can't necessarily complete an interaction. Why am I not just pushing everything to the phone? That's where you can get the awareness, where you can get the conversion. Why doesn't all messaging go through that platform? It's horses for courses in many ways. So the pay example, you're absolutely right. It's much easier to go to the phone. It's much easier to do. But there's a kind of a contextual awareness as well that you want to put in place. So if the person is sitting in front of the big screen and sees this notification, then it's in their heads. They can't execute on it at that point in time, but it is in their heads. And it may say, check the app, which allows them to make the purchase, which it would be a fairly similar situation as to doing it in the app. You could do both if you need to do both. But I think the key thing is getting in front of the eyeballs in this particular case. That sounds a little bit like an ad tech thing I just said. I didn't really mean it that way. But what it is, is you're being aware of the context of that kind of individual and you're not specifically hounding them, but you're getting your message across. And then when you do that kind of a thing, you may then say, you know, call this number now, but pick up your app and press this button and you can get your discounts if you so wished. Maybe that's a clumsy example, but we have a number of customers that are in the video streaming and they basically will also look for recording different behaviors and pauses and how people interact with the video materials that they actually have. I think understanding your marketing objectives is a key here where if you're trying to build awareness, if you're trying to build understanding of your product, if you're in the middle of funnel, then you're getting into these video channels, OTT, some of these other things make sense. If you're at the bottom of the funnel and you're trying to drive a conversion, then maybe you want to be a little bit more interactive and move to a different platform. I think the other thing to think about when we're talking about multi-channel activity is also being able to evaluate and do your marketing attribution. As you're thinking about multi-channel activity and hyper-targeting, your messages are getting more sophisticated, more personalized. How do you figure out what value they have if not every marketing interaction is meant to drive a conversion? I think it's important that when you do release a campaign, that you have some idea that it's going to do a thing rather than it being just random. We assume that people in marketing departments are smart. They have a plan in place. And whether they may not be an actual conversion, as in a tick box appears to say, yes, this converted, these messages are done for a particular reason, whether to just raise awareness, as you said earlier on, or to answer a question or answer a survey, or maybe prompt people to do something like switch on push messages. Now, that's a conversion as such, right? But it's not a monetary conversion. Alternatively, the message you could be sending could actually be a test message where you're just seeing how people respond to maybe, you know, a new design artifact or something or a new capability within the app itself. And you want to find out what exactly is the best route to take, whether or not people react better to a price in blue or a price in red, or whether you want a full screen or a half screen image. And I think that there should be a goal for pretty much everything. But what you might be doing is setting up pre-campaigns to set yourself up for a conversion campaign later on by making sure you're choosing the right target, making sure you're getting the right reactions. 
So you mentioned hyper-targeting a little bit earlier and the idea that you're not batching and blasting. Every message is going to be personalized. You might only be sending a message to seven people. Talk to me about how you make hyper-targeting scalable and effective. Absolutely. It's a really powerful tool, but if you're not using it correctly, it won't pay off for you. I think it depends on your industry, what you're trying to achieve. So first of all, it assumes that you have a focus group that you want to get in touch with that provides some value to you. So for example, they're not used the kind of games terms like these people are whales. These are people who would react very well to messages, have the potential to convert at at a high rate rather than many, many small conversions, for example. This could give you a lot extra value in that you can do a really, really focused message with really, really focused information that's only for these people's attention. Like it could have a phone number or a special phone line or something like that. If you're communicating with people at the small scale as well as the large scale, I think it gives you an awful lot more stickiness in terms of the way people will trust because you can personalize really, really strongly for the particular set, small set of individuals. I think people appreciate that once they're aware that they're within a small group. So you can target them with saying you're one of a group of X people that are our best customers that we feel should receive this voucher to go to the cinema. And I think it gives a little bit of power for that. If you've got a small amount of resources that you want to deliver to a small amount of people that are valuable for your business, then the hyper-targeting can really help if your customer base is 5 or 10 million monthly active users. It makes it much more straightforward to pick out small crowds. At the end of the day, your customer doesn't know whether you're sending the message to them or to 10 million other people. What they know is whether the message resonates with them. And the more personalized you can be, the more effective your messaging is going to be. Oshin, I guess this is the last question that I have for you. When we're thinking about personalization, obviously personalization is better than non-personalization. What's the dividing line for you? Where do you consider a message to be personalized? And how do you balance that with the amount of scale with which you can send your messaging? What is the dividing line of a personalized message? Let me talk about it from the receiving point of view. So a personalized message will immediately grab my attention when I see it, will be uh, part of an app that either is important to me or that I use regularly. So that's my perspective on it. As a customer, I need to get the feel that this is related to things I've done recently or in the past within that app. So it has to have that kind of relevance. If it tries to get me to do something that I've never done before or that's not related to what I've done before, then I wouldn't call it personalized. If it makes sense within the context of your relationship with the brand, it passes the personalization bar. And so understanding who your customers are, understanding their behaviors, influences where you're going to deliver your messages and what those messages should actually say. And it's an important point for 2020 as consumers get more inundated with marketing, with more software, with more technology, with more screen time, using data to understand their behaviors to craft a message that's relevant to them is going to be more and more important in 2020. Oshin, I appreciate you being our guest and walking us through all of the C-suite from Swerve's predictions for 2020. Any last words or predictions for this upcoming year? Well, let's see if those predictions come true. We'll do this next year. (laughs) Always look at the data. All right. Well, we'll book it for predictions week for 2021. Thanks again for being our guest. It's been a pleasure, Ben. Thanks so much. I appreciate you coming on the show. And that wraps up 2020 Predictions Week on the MarTech Podcast. Thanks again to Oshin Hurley, the Chief Technology Officer from Swerve, for joining us. 
If you'd like to get in touch with Oshin, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can send him a tweet. His company's Twitter handle is Swerve underscore Inc. S-W-R-V-E underscore I-N-C. Or you can visit his company's website, which is Swerve.com. S-W-R-V-E dot com. Just one link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to any of the 2020 Predictions Week episodes, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of every episode, the contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our once a week newsletter or you can send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, even your feedback on our predictions. Just go to martechpod.com. Of course, you can always reach out on social media as well. Our handle is MartechPod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D, on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and check back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today, and that's it for 2020 Predictions Week on the MarTech Podcast. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.